It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 46 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and with me, as always, is a birthday girl who, like a fine bottle of wine, starts to smell a bit vinegary with age. It's Jules. Hello, Jules. Possibly the most appropriate thing you've ever said about me. This is very true. <laughs> oh, it's like 46 episodes, but I'm finally figuring it's it out. It's like you know me. <laughs> yes, it's my very it's happy like birthday that. today. I'm feeling. I'm not feeling too vinegary today. I've I've let myself breathe a bit more. <laughs> well, and I'm, you know, obviously, uh, dedicated. Fruit flies, I think. <laughs> dedicated to our podcast, in that I'm taking time out of a day that's obviously just full of, I don't know, day spas and foot rubs and things to uh, let the world know about what they should be watching on television because. That's something that gives me great joy. Ugh, I'm glad. Thanks for doing it. It's always fun to uh, to force ourselves to do this every <laughs> week because uh, otherwise uh, we would never talk. That's <laughs> our excuse for having an actual conversation. Outside of Twitter, of course. Yes, indeed. So we should... Uh, yeah, we... Twitter is not, not the best for conversation. Um, it's amazing what you can get get, get um, discussed on Twitter sometimes, I would say. So there you go. I'm disagreeing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to yes and, and that. Yes, and it's also good when you can use Facebook. This is true. I still am a new person on Facebook, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, where, all, it's where everyone is. So if you're not on Facebook, I would never find out what any of my friends are doing. Yeah, I try to use only Facebook only for personal stuff. I, I think we've talked about that before, but, um, you know, for people that yes. I know in yes. real life. Um, yeah, yeah, I use, um, I mean, and I use Messenger on Facebook, like, you know, text messaging, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, that's enough about our other social media uh, engagements. Not half as interesting as television shows that are broadcast on many different platforms these days. Aren't they, Ryan? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I know. I know, Joe. Don't get me started. You know, I, I um, so, speaking of which, uh, going straight into a bit of TV news, the one that's uh, top of the headlines this morning as we record is that HBO uh, is going to be the new home if you're looking for finding your way to Sesame Street, which is sort of, I don't know, feels like the antithesis of Sesame Street in a way. Yes and no. Um, I mean, it's certainly not where I would expect to find it, but... The thing that I think about when I think about HBO, I think about really well-produced shows that have sort of a life of their own, that don't give a fuck what the man <laughs> says and just do what they think is the right thing to do. And I think that's something Sesame Street has yep. done and continues to do for generations is this is how we think everything should be and this is how we're going to do it. And they, they're not really taking... Or, or it doesn't seem that they take the outside influence. Yeah, um, they heart. I, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Well, they've it, it always had a like very uh, strong vision and values um, for the show. That's that's always been uh, clear, but, you know, it is moving from um, PBS to HBO, uh, so I, I believe that episodes will be available within a year on PBS, but it does mean that it's becoming a, basically a subscription-only show, which is... I think that's some some sort of shift in both. It's a shift culturally, anyway. Given that, um, I mean, even in Australia, people grew up on uh, Sesame Street. It's on the government. I think it's still on the government broadcaster here. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a shift to move to a subscription based um, network. 
it, it does seem strange. I mean, it, the, part of the thing uh, that was magical about them was it was on the public broadcasting system. So it was, you know, they, they weren't doing it for profit necessarily. And they, and they weren't funded by advertisement, which is also a huge thing. And I guess they're not through HBO either. So maybe it's a, a little safer of a bet. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's and, and you know, just to get back to my favourite topic, though, it it is you know symbolic of or uh, part of, I should say, not symbolic of the you know the shakeup that we're having now between uh, you know the old networks and um, all the new, not only cable but all the new platforms. And I was. Um, uh, you know, watching the Television Critics Association tour this week. And, you know, it was the first time I can really remember where there was, you know, really the, the in the US we're talking, you know, the big old networks now just don't, they're not the ones getting the headlines. You know, sort of the, the best people can say about new shows starting on there is, oh, it doesn't look crap. <laughs> Uh, it's not where right. the interest is. It's not where the excitement is. Uh, it's not where the the big shows that are, you know, what were always called the cooler shows are being made. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting times. Um, and speaking of uh, HBO, though, uh, the other rumour that's going around uh, this morning, which I am very happy about, is they're talking about a Deadwood movie. Ooh, yes. So, um, Deadwood, of course, got cancelled back in 2006. um, And there was talk around the time it finished that there might have been a wrap up telemovie or something. Um, But there hasn't been, other than wishful thinking, um, you know, really talk of it, I think, once or twice. um, there, There was. You know, things had come out from HBO or, or David Milch, who was the creator. Um, but no no serious rumours. But this is um, uh, confirmed preliminary discussions. So, <laughs> uh, and if you haven't watched Deadwood, fucking watch Deadwood. Uh, it's on Amazon, mm. I think. And um, it's amazing. It only had three seasons. You loved it, Ryan, I know. Absolutely. One of my absolute all-time favourite shows yeah, I, I mean, I can't say enough about Deadwood. It changed who I was and how I watched television, absolutely. How it just, how's that? I, I mean, I, I think it started with The Sopranos being that you could have television that was different, you could have television that was really good, and I think Deadwood ramped that up times a thousand. You know what? A lot of the stuff I didn't like on Sopranos, which was really long, boring storylines that really didn't pan out or have much to do with the stuff that was interesting, I found Deadwood did a lot better, and everything was far more contained. Multiple interesting storylines over overlapping each other through the course of the whole season. As far as, as serial-watching television, um, to me, that was the antithesis of, of great television. Uh, it's certainly something that I hopefully can one day strive for and, and, and try to mimic because I think it's as far as a historical value yes, it's there and I, I don't know how accurately historical it was um, but just interesting and really rich and deep characters and um, yeah, good. You know, and the thing I didn't like about Deadwood was the main character. <laughs> Timothy uh, Oliphant's character? Yeah, yes! Oh, in that's general, interesting because I'm Love Timothy Oliphant in uh, in Justified, but that was one of the things that stopped me diving into Justified was that I hadn't liked his character. He was the least interesting, I thought, character in, in Deadwood. And, mm. and in some ways, I think the show recognised that because, it, you know, he had a less prominent role from, from where he started, I think, as, as the ensemble uh, found its feet and, um, and, and grew as it went on. And there was, you know, um, uh, so much rich, richness in that. Um, but, yeah, amazing, amazing piece of storytelling, uh, visually, you know, cinematic in, in, in how it looked. Um, you know, all again, it's a show where all aspects you know, of it were, were just top-notch. Um, and I, if, if you were a fan of Deadwood, um, I really recommend reading Alan Sepperwell's um, uh, The Revolution was Will Be Televised, um, which 
looks at these shows from uh, the beginning of the, the century, The Sopranos, Deadwood and a number of others that were key in changing the way television was made, really, as stories were told on television. The actual stories around the making of Deadwood day to day as well as overall and why it got cancelled is absolutely fascinating. Um, you'll probably wonder how it ended up mm. being so amazing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely well worth a read. And if you haven't caught it, it's three short seasons. Um, really, really look it up. Uh, there'll be lots of actors that you'll recognise from who've gone on to other things or you'll know from other things. But just, yeah, top, top-notch stuff. Yep, absolutely, 100%. Can't recommend it enough. If you are interested in television at all and you haven't seen it, you need to stop what you're doing and go and watch it. That and another one um, that also <laughs> always gets overlooked is Rome. Yes, which I yeah, think is also yeah. very, very important in the television landscape. Um, certainly not nearly as popular, but very, very well done. Yep, yep, I would, I would agree with that as well. So, um, some shows to go and um, dig up and watch, but it would be wonderful to see. Uh, would be to see a, a Deadwood movie, uh, and if they could get you know most of those actors together again, um, Ian McShane, of course, who played El Swearingen, who was um, favourite character of many people, uh, is uh, going to have some sort of role in uh, Game of Thrones next season, which is interesting. Um, I'm not sure what Timothy Oliphant's off to do at the moment, but yeah, there was a wonderful cast in that. So um, look forward to seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's about all the all the hot news. All oh, the other news that's kicking around at the moment is is it? I'm not sure if it's NBC doing a reboot of Xena Warrior Princess, which um, I feel very apprehensive about. Um, now that was the show that made you gay, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I was actually already gay when I watched uh, watched Xena, but it. Are you sh- are you sure? I thought that was the one that got you. <laughs> no, that got me into where it uh, got me into um, killing people with spears and things. No. Um. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Which I do not support the lifestyle. I just want to be very clear. It made me the warrior princess I am today. Right. Um, right. But Xena, which was a spin-off actually of, of Hercules, seems in New Zealand, um, and were you know both of them were. Real, I always think of them as like Saturday night, um, you know, adventure romp TV. They were they were sort of silly and a lot of fun. Um, Xena particularly played with uh, played with the fourth wall. It was you know um, mashed up uh, mythology and legends from from you know every culture you can think of. Um, they did the sort of stuff that I love, where yeah sort of meta episodes they had them turn up in modern day at at, at one point during a you know the sort of stuff supernatural also does you know that that really playing with the genre and um and yeah it was a hugely significant um you know one of the few shows with a a, a kick-ass female lead <coughs> uh and her companion gabrielle um it, it certainly was appointment viewing in uh, the lesbian community. You couldn't do anything on a on a Saturday night until uh, Zena had finished screening because um, no one would be out. They would all be home watching Zena. Um, Lucy Lawless is, you know, continues to do conventions, even though her career's, you know, continued on wonderfully. But she continues to do conventions for Zena and speaks very, you know, very fondly of it, and and certainly recognises the role that, uh, you know, the character had um, in 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 being a cultural icon and um, and Lucy mm-hmm. Lewis is still really really hot. Yeah, I have well, to we say. saw her in. Um, um, so her anyway, in, we'll uh, Spartacus. Spartacus. She was in Battlestar Galactica. She's in um, the new series with Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. Ash and the Evil Dead, coming up. Um, yeah, she's been in lots of uh, lots of genre shows uh, over the years. So. Um, uh, we will wait and see what happens. I think the thing I'm hesitant about is whether they can keep the sort of s- playful silliness that 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 Zena had that I really loved. Uh, that aren't that many shows around that really capture these days. I think, um, and same with with Hercules. They were real romps. They were, um, yeah, 
They were lo- lots mm. and lots of fun. I don't know about fun, but they were funny. I mean, I never really got into them in a big way, and I know that the, in fandom they were very, very popular, but to me they always just seemed too cheeky for their own good. Does that make sense? Yeah, I miss... Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I miss that. I think it was... Uh, and that's what that... You know, they were meant to be like the the B-grade pulp mm-hmm. movies of the 50s, that that sort of... Uh, and, and and particularly being in that sort of sword and sandal uh, mm-hmm. genre. And uh, as I said, I think they fulfilled a space on TV that we haven't quite uh, reclaimed in recent years. Like, uh, and I'd even go back to things like, you know, whether a man or rider may be a bit... Um, but those sort of more uh, fun uh, shows, um, yeah... Okay. Uh, light-hearted. It's a lot of angst on TV these days. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. You know why? Because <laughs> life why? sucks. Well, I think life sucked twenty and thirty years ago too, but we seem to. Get... Yeah, but not like now. They, they, those people don't understand us now. <laughs> our our plight is is original and, and very unique. Hey, can I just come back to that? It's my birthday today. Like, well, then you of all people should know. <laughs> Life sucks. People are horrible. Speaking of which, we should go into um, the first show we're going to review this week. Can't ruin a good segue. <laughs> Wonderful segue there. Thank you very much. And that is the uh, just recently finished series called Unreal. Hello, ladies. Oh, nice. People are going to hate her. Action. I want cat fight. promised me it'd be different this season. What was so offensive that you needed to flee? Did you see that circus? Am I the old desperate one? How many do you have to sleep with? These women are not your hookers. Subject 21 was in the psych ward twice. What, so you're just gonna let the girl who went down on him with? Grace here? She's been sucking Adams. Oh, we love her. You lied to me. Oh, crap. You all deserve to burn in hell. Take her down. It's going to be good TV, just trust me. Now that's a good bitch. Ryan, have you watched Unreal? Jules, I have. I watched every single episode of Unreal. Oh, high five through, yeah, the cy- five. through cyberspace. I know it was that's... your show, but I just wanted to make sure that I did you the respect of watching all the episodes of your show that you picked. Because I know you <laughs> do the same for me. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> depends on the show. And what did, so I'll start with the premise of, of Unreal, um, it, but, but, okay. which is very, very simple. It's set behind the scenes on a uh, reality TV show not a million miles re- removed from something like The Bachelor. It's a TV show called Everlasting where uh, a group of women vie for the attentions and possible hand in marriage of uh, an allable young bachelor and it's set um, behind the scenes on the making of that show. Um, the first thing that, that makes it even more interesting is that the woman who uh, was really the creator and, and wrote, wrote it along with... Um, someone you'll know, people will know from Buffy days and many things since Marty Noxon, is Sarah Gertrude Shapiro. And she actually worked on The Bachelor for nearly a decade in the US. So Uh, there's there's a lot of truth truth in this. But it's not only... uh, And and you would think, look, it's not probably difficult to skewer, uh, you know, or parody the the making of a reality TV show. Uh, You know, because... We all suspect and know some of the things that go on to behind the scenes, which we choose to ignore when we're sitting down to watch, whether it's The Bachelor or Survivor or, or whatever. Um, 
but this show is so much more than this. It's 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 one of the darkest, darkest uh, comedies uh, around at the moment, and uh, has some absolutely brilliant performances. I mean, there were times when I was just like, they're not going to go there. Oh my God, they have. It has in um, its its lead character Rachel, who plays a young um, producer on the show. Uh, definitely one of the darkest characters of either gender that I've seen on television in a long time. Um, she, the other two couple of main characters are the one of the showrunners um, who's played by um, the wonderful Constance Zimmer, uh, who people will know because she often plays that sort of uh, bitch boss character on television but she's given so much more to do here. There's a slimy uh, exec uh, producer showrunner uh, as well and of course all the the contest contestants but it's really Rachel uh, who's played by Shiri Appleby who I only know from um, the 90s uh, TV show Roswell I had no idea if Sherry Appleby's done anything since but um, she is just a standout here as as Rachel who's who's the people whisperer she can get the contestants on this show to to do anything um, and that's what I like she's really good at her job and she's an appalling human being and at the same time we see her as a human being we she there's a parallel here between the artifice and total fakeness of what's set up on the the TV show of how you know the manufactured side of these romances with the fact that all the people working on the show are in their own ways looking for love and dealing with relationships as well and 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 I love that juxtaposition um, I'm ranting a lot because I loved it what did you think Ryan um, I loved it as well I, I thought it was really original I thought it was gritty and raw and and really well done um, in fact, I thought it was so well done that um, whoever did the makeup and the set deck and, and the art direction on this was just obviously had been on set before because what you see here is exactly what it's like being on set. This wow. is exactly like being on set of a, a show and more specifically a show that's filmed in Vancouver because <laughs> even their clothing, their radios, the, the gear that they use, the boxes, um, the GAC as it's called, the gear and equipment laying around is so identical that I'm like, this looks so much like a Vancouver set, I had to go and look <laughs> it up, and sure enough, it's filmed here in Vancouver, so that's why you know, her, her you know, her multiple layers of, of jacket and, yeah. and clothing that she's wearing, and um, you know, her um, her scarf that she's wearing that also doubles as a hat, that doubles as a, you know, keeping her warm, all that sort of stuff, it's just I mean, it's just so so accurate, and I know it's such a dumb thing to get caught up on, but um, Oh no, I, I think and I think that gives the show, and you know, coming from an outsider, I don't know that. But it, again, it was that sort of atten you, attention to detail that didn't just make this a, a sort of a sitcom about the wacky antics on on making a show. It felt mm -hmm. it felt real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just like uh, you know, the interactions with the different crew members and how they interacted and and that sort of thing that felt very very real. Um, you know, there's a couple things that weren't real, like. You know, they didn't spend any time lighting. You didn't see that. And that's like half the time on set is, is waiting for lights to get set up. You know, that sort of stuff. But for the most part, yeah, real. Um, and obviously in a show like this, they're not so the the other piece of artifice, if you like, is that they're basically doing this show the week it goes to air, which doesn't mm -hmm. happen with these sort of reality shows. Right. They're filmed and they go to air months months and months later. So uh, I but, guess. I, I mean, I guess there must be some that... that are this quick, no, most of them. No, most of them. It's there's quite a a, a lead a lead huh. time between you know them being filmed at, at at the very least weeks, if not longer. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, um, a lot of the drama in the show comes from the interaction of what's happening on the show with the people behind the the scenes. So mm -hmm. you know, I, I did. You know, I don't. I don't think it matters. And I did see uh, one article. I think it was on AV Club or something, complaining about various things that weren't real. And I'm like, the name of the friggin' show is unreal. Like, it's right. not trying to be a documentary about making a TV show. I think it's great that obviously, you know, someone like you from the industry feels the authenticity of it. But the whole thing is about 
is about artifice, artifice in the show, um, the, the artifice of the TV industry, and also, you know, what's unreal about, you know, our perceptions of, of what relationships and romance is. So mm-hmm. the whole thing is about fiction. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. Um, I, I thought the interactions between the people were, were good. Um, I thought there was some really fantastic acting in it. Um, for people I didn't, I mean, I didn't really know any of these actors um, from anything else, but I thought they were great. Um, it was definitely clear, their intentions were definitely clear, or their ambiguity was definitely clear, if that's if there's such a thing. Um, but, but, <laughs> it lost me, and this is probably the lifetime side of it, it lost me when it got a little soap opera-y with the love triangles and the oh, he's cheating on her with him and she's sleeping with him. And that I lost a lot of interest in and, you know, I, it didn't catch me. But I think because it is a Lifetime Network show, that's an important distinction to make that, hey, there's also romance and tragedy and love things. And, and I think, and, and, you know, fair enough if you weren't engaged in that part of it, but I also thought that was part of... Um, the point of saying, you know, real life can be as, um, can look just like fiction sometimes. I mean, we've all got stories, whether from our own lives or our friends or our families, of the love triangles and the he done me wrong or she dumped me at the altar or whatever. Um, and I thought it also gave then that nice tension because at one at one point we can see so Rachel or whoever manipulating the contestants into situations at the same time her life is is almost mirroring those things in a way that she seems you know the characters themselves who can see that the show they're making is nothing to do with real life uh, and and is about the manufactured. Uh, side that fulfills our expectations about what romance should look like and at the same time they're falling into those traps in their own relationships so um, even though you know and particularly both cons- uh, both uh, Quinn and Rachel the two main female characters you know uh, well Quinn you know she's she's been having a long-term affair with uh, the um, creator of the show um, and she knows that's not going anywhere. You know, she's seen that play out in Hollywood a million times, and yet she can't stop herself from believing that that's a relationship that's mm-hmm. going to work. Um, the same, and then on the other side, we have Rachel, who's you know um, got you know one one guy who's sort of you know the good guy, and then the other guy who's the cad uh, and the bad boy, and um, the interesting thing being she doesn't fit the the normal romance role of this sort of um, pretty young thing torn between, uh, you know, this is not Bridget Jones' diary between deciding between the good guy and the bad boy um, because she herself is such um, a horrible person. (laughs) Well, yeah, but still that, oh, I'm torn between which guy I want to be with. Yeah. No, I like that. I didn't like that. Um, I, I thought she was a very flawed person, and, and that was interesting. You know, her character there was interesting, and how that affected, you know, what she did and um, uh, how she interacted with other people and how she treated herself, all that sort of stuff, I thought was very, very interesting. Yeah, um, I, I think um, the, her... Um, her self-respect. Could, yes, and she starts the season having come off a bad time and... You feel that this is a, a damaged character who's who's moving to a place of self awareness and self respect, which then turns out not to quite to be the the, the case as the season goes on. And um, uh, yeah, con- continue yes, continues to do things which are quite reprehensible. Um, and and I also like that like idea of of how we can do things in one part of our life and quarantine them from sort of the rest of our lives like you can do something whether it's at work or in one relationship and actually not see that as being part of your whole life Um, as Rachel can you know she knows that she does manipulates people on this show for not good ends Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, you know on some level she doesn't see that as 
what she's doing in her whole life. Um, and she's delicious. I love that she's so bad um, and that she's so good at what she does. I love watching her, you know, talk to the contestants and manipulate them into into doing things on the show. It was, mm-hmm. it was quite... It was that was wonderful and um, like watching a car accident, but wonderful. Absolutely, uh, very well thought out, well planned, well executed. You know, and she, you can tell that she's hating herself for being so good at what she does. Mm. Um, but at it's the same what time, she's keep, for. yeah, and she. But at the same time, a bit like the other character, Quinn, they both keep wanting to do it because it is what they're good at and what gives them pleasure. I mean, like mm-hmm. that gives them satisfaction, not mm-hmm. only in their jobs, but they are those sort of people for whom their jobs are very central to their identity. Um, so, yeah, it's just so it's, – it's hilarious. Like, it's wet yourself hilarious. And everyone has watched some sort of reality TV show. You don't need to have watched The Bachelor or anything like that. Everyone has watched something. Amazing Race, Survivor, even if you've only – Big Brother, even if you've – Top Chef, even if you've only watched one or two episodes, you'll get – you know, you'll get the the tropes that they're playing with, and um, the manipulation of, of of narratives that we somehow persist in calling reality TV, even though we all know it's nothing to do with reality. Yeah, exactly. And this just goes to show you exactly how unreality it is, which I think is great. I mean, I don't I don't watch any reality shows. Well. You only watch reality shows with beardy men in them, but you watch reality shows, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, they're more docu docu. No, they're not. They're Uh, just as manipulative as these things are. Mm, Nope, I don't think so. Um, (laughs) Mine are real, is what I'm saying. Um, Right. Okay. (laughs) Let's not abuse him of his uh, his uh, fantasy, there, dear listeners. Um, but um, I didn't need to know anything about them to understand where they're coming from. And it, and it just more reinforced me hating them um, <laughs> more <laughs> and hopefully oh, open some people's eyes to how absolute trash they are um, and, and how they, as a viewer, being overly manipulated uh, in order to see, you know, to fit certain criteria. It's kind of gross. Which, you know, it brings up, but it brings up those interesting sort of ethical, if you like, I suppose, dilemmas. Because, I mean, most people watch uh, certainly things like The Bachelor and that as as a, as if it's a scripted show. Um, not necessarily thinking these people are, you know, real people who are in this, but they are real people who agree to be on television, who are exposed, you know, who, however the editing or whatever's done to manipulate them, it's them. They're not, they're not, they can't say, oh, that was the character I was written. And I mean, I think there are, you know, there are interesting things to think about, about why people put themselves through that. And that, you know, the show obviously touches on bits of that, you know, the people who want fame or redemption or money or actually are think they will find love or, or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. that all, and the way nearly everyone thinks they'll be the one who can manipulate the system themselves, even though they've watched 47 seasons of The Bachelor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, they know that, you know, no black girl's ever going to be the, the bride. Um, uh, everyone believes that they'll be the one who can, you know, manipulate and and or, or game the system so that they can get somewhere. And you know, in, on that way, it sort of works as a, you know, it's a, a broader, you know, metaphor on life as well. I think, you know, sometimes even no matter how much you know, it's things are set against you. You, you know, on the good side is you will continue to think you can win and sometimes it's like when am I going to stop deluding myself oh I'm in a happy birthday mood aren't I mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> life it sucks uh, yeah I, I mean who is this who is this show for is it for people who are a fan of these types of programs is it for people who hate these types of programs um and by these types, I mean reality shows, these reality contestant shows, um, contest shows. Um, well, I was, I was asking about that um, at, at my workplace, and the 
the thing we came up with is, again, as I was talking about compartmentalizing things, um, people can watch this and enjoy this and, and, and actually, you know, totally take on board, you know, what it's revealing about the artifice of these shows and then go and watch that show and enjoy it. I don't think they're, so I think there'll be a, a, you know, a crossover between the shows where people can totally, and, and there'll be some people who hate reality shows who watch it and feel vindicated, but I think uh, it's certainly, I don't think it's, I know one of the, the guys who makes or stars on The Bachelor in the US had sort of come out lambasting Unreal. And it's like, dude, it's not going to affect your ratings. If anything, it'll push them up because people will be like, oh, I should have a look at that show to see if it's as bad as Unreal right. says it is. Um, right. And I don't think that's the main point of the show. I don't think the main point of the show is about, ooh, look at how these shows are fake or how look at these shows manipulate things. As I said, I think we all know that on some level. And I think it's more about, it's about the characters in it and about, uh, you know, relationships and the games we play. And interestingly, the main relationship really in the show is between the, the two um, the two appalling women who are both incredibly good at their job and incredibly ruthless uh, and actually don't, I think, like each other but um, are drawn to each other. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, that, that is fascinating because it's not a relationship that easily fits into a, any mould that you're used to seeing. No, true. Um, and you certainly don't see it on television. Um, you, one of the lines that I thought was kind of interesting at the end is she's there, you know, she's talking about pitching this new show, and she's like, "Oh, no one's going to want to watch a show about women who are good at their jobs or successful <laughs> in the industry or something like that." Like, well, I mean, I don't think that's true, but I think it's sad that people think that. Why can't we enjoy seeing people be good at their jobs? Women being good at jobs, I don't like that. Yeah, is so, that really I mean, a, is that really a thought out there in in TV land? Well, you work in TV land. I'm, how many I shows are are there about reality shows about, you know, people being happy and satisfied, particularly women? I mean, a lot of the shows that are just, as you said, docudramas about people doing jobs are all about beardy men. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of – it brings up a lot of thoughts like, like that, um, as well as just the place of women in the industry Um and all that but you know like something like orange is the new black there's many layers to this show but you don't like it's it's not in your face about them it's an enjoyable really really dark comedy and you should all watch it yeah i, I would highly recommend it i think it's, it's I, I mean i don't want to say it's an easy watch because i think people think that's an insult i don't think it's an easy watch but it's certainly easy to get into I mean, within oh, yeah. the first few minutes, you're going to know if it's something that is tickling you or not. Yeah, um, oh, that, that's a good point. You will know immediately if this is your, your sort of show or not. And I hope it is. Uh, and they have been renewed for a second season, which will be uh, interesting to see how, how that goes. And I will look forward to it. But, um, again, I'll just come back. Constance Zimmer, uh, Shiri Appleby, incredible um, incredible performances from, from both those women and, and great writing um, uh, across the board on this. So um, more, yay! <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, I guess my question would be, did you have any concerns? And this is sort of not a spoiler necessarily, but did you have any sort of concerns or um, unhappiness in regards to um, what's the main character's name? Um, um, Rachel. Uh, Rachel's uh, mental health or mental illness. You figure that was kind of well, utilized to degrade her success as a as a, no, because I think uh, well, um, no, I, I I thought that was well handled and that it was more, you know, we they never pin down sort of what's going on and and I think it was more background. So her mother's a, a therapist and I think it was, um, uh, in, in a way more drew us in more to what was you know going on between what's obviously not been a healthy relationship with her mother as well, who's been 
working as her therapist, which, hello, alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't think, because I don't think she was portrayed as, you know, it wasn't just like, ooh, crazy, crazy Rachel. Um, she, I think that whatever, you know, if there's a diagnosable mental illness there, that's not the point of, of her character. Uh, the fact that she's got these issues, she's also incredibly competent and smart and and likeable because, you know, people do like her as well so that's part of how she gets people to do what she wants so I think again the complexity of how she's written um, takes away from reducing her to just uh, um, oh you know like oh she's bipolar and so that's why she's like this so it's any mental health issues there are so well woven into that character without reducing it down to diagnosis or even uh it's because of her mother because her mother only features twice in the but really only once in the in the show um so again i think it's the the writing that doesn't reduce any of those characters i mean probably the most broadly drawn character is chet who's the the show's creator um who's who's a bit of a, a cliched um hollywood coke snorting uh, dick waving not very nice douchebag is the word i was looking for um might be a stereotype also totally true you might possibly say (laughs) there there are a lot of people like that in hollywood so i believe um and he's probably the most broadly drawn but even even chet has you know is given some light and shade as well um that you can totally understand again while he does things that you might think are despicable he's also likable he's also good at his job and i think this comes we see him uh with quinn pitching to the network um for the next season and you see him come into his own and that's important i think because sometimes you have these characters and you're thinking how could that person have got to that position of of power or or that that place in the top of the hierarchy we really see with chet even in a couple of glimpses that he is actually really good at his job and however he's Mm -hmm. got there through various means a lot of it Mm -hmm. which through just being um you know a guy um he's also got there because he's good at what he does i think that's those sort of things make it um make it more believable and as you said the relationships between people there's a another producer who's gay who's sort of sells his soul a bit with Chet to try and get his own show. There's there's the sort of good bar, good guy um, camera operator, you know, who wants to move up. Like, everyone's got to work the system to try and get what they right. want. And some people sell more of themselves to do that th- than others. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, well, that, I should say that costs some people more than others. But, yeah, I, I thought, did you think her mental health was sort of... Done. I, I just thought it was it almost used to I felt like it was really casting shade on her abilities to be a successful woman like why couldn't she just be successful and, and a piece of shit uh, why did she also have to have a mental illness it was you know was that put in place so that you could justify why she's doing the things that she does so I also saw it as sort of a metaphor for so she the the backstory uh, for people listening is that the previous season she's had some sort of a breakdown and, and tried to disrupt the finale of the show and then she's gone off and there's there's intimations that she was either hospitalized but she sort of dropped out of sight for a while now what I liked was though they didn't pin that down as she has x or she has y so you know I might be drawing a long bow but I thought it was um you know a bit of a metaphor for the way that that women are portrayed as being over emotional or you know uh, you, she must have a mental illness she couldn't have just got sick of the whole shit of what she's working with and you know got angry about it there must be we, we must call this something we must say she had a breakdown um so I, I think we've got more to find out you know maybe next season they will play the straight if you like, you know, she's like this because she's got a mental illness. But I don't, I didn't feel that they were that, they were playing that card at this point. I thought it was, it was less her saying that than the people around her um, mm. putting that onto her. And so we will see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I did I did like the feeling that it, it captured. I think that was right on right on the money as far as you know, people that are using their their entire career as their lives and that's yeah. just what they do, you know. Yep. They live for their their job. That's it. It certainly is for some people. But yeah, do like yourself. <laughs> Yes, which is why I'm at uh, home in my dressing gown and not at work today. Um, (laughs) Anyway, that's Unreal. It's on Lifetime. It's finished now. I'm sure you can watch it somewhere on the Lifetime website or something. Um, And uh, make sure you catch up before the next season. It is, for those who want to know, streaming on our strangely named streaming site in Australia, Stan. Gotcha. Head over to Stan. Stan. Stem. <laughs> um, so, on to our next show, which is one that you uh, chose, Ryan. Yes. Tell us about Impasta. Pastor Jonathan Barlow is about to start a new life. Hello there. I'm Dora. Come on in. We hope you enjoy living here for a long time long time with the new church we are a conservative congregation we prefer to uphold the tradition of ladner trinity lutheran church not a problem in a new town hello you've got the whole town buzzing about what all the good you've been doing everyone's just so happy you're here you're a miracle worker oh now now i'm just god's humble servant the only problem this isn't jonathan barlow this is. Impastor is a television show that's on the TV. It's on what network is it on? It's on something called TV Land. TV Land, which is usually um, a whole bunch of reruns and stuff okay. in, in North America. It's produced um, by CBS. So okay. that means anything. So it's produced by CBS. Yes. So the base premise of Impastor is. A low-life criminal is about to commit suicide and jump off a bridge when a car stops and a kindly man comes to try to talk him out of jumping. And um, he imparts this wisdom onto the jumper that um, you can change your life just like he is. He's going to a brand new town that he's never been to before and no one's ever met him before. And uh, then accidentally the man falls off a bridge and dies and the jumper decides to change his mind and uh, seizes the opportunity to take over the identity of the fallen man. Can I, I just wanted to interrupt there. The strange thing is this premise for this uh, comedy is exactly the same in a way as Banshee, which I don't know if you've watched Banshee, in which which a criminal assumes the identity of of a a town sheriff after he gets murdered. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's the first thing I thought was, okay, um, but moving on, Ryan. So he uh, turns up in the town uh, where nobody knows his name. Right. He turns up in the town of Ladner. Now, the joke is that Ladner is a town in, in Vancouver. It's a suburb of Vancouver. Um, that we film at quite often. And uh, once upon a time, anytime you see the storybook town, that's Ladner usually. Um, uh, I know Supernatural films out there all the time. Anytime there's a crossroads or something, it's always out in Ladner. So it's funny that it's set in Ladner and and the actual story takes place in Ladner, which is kind of funny. Um, So uh, he takes up, Buddy uh, is the name of the criminal, takes on the identity of a, a gay man who's moving to Ladner to become the pastor at the church. As he finds out, and he arrives, and a whole bunch of really hot chicks work for the church, take good care of Buddy, uh, who pretends to be a man of God, but is actually just a douchebag criminal. So many Hollywood hijinks ensue, uh, and by Hollywood hijinks, I mean well-trodden tropes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Buddy uh, becomes the pastor and, of course, wins the hearts of everyone, except for those people that think there's just something not quite right about this guy. And, uh, Jules, you hated it. Oh, look, that that suggests it roused some passion in me. <laughs> mm. um, look, I will admit to only having watched one episode. Um, Jules. Oh, oh, there's only so much I can give for... There are 20 minutes, a very light 20 minutes at that. Um, Michael Rosenbaum plays Body, Buddy. I like 
Michael Rosenbaum. He's done mm-hmm. um, hasn't really been since Smallville days in any ongoing capacity on TV, but he's done some short films and stuff that have been hilarious. So I was mm-hmm. really pleased to see him on something on the television. Um, but look, this just there's so nothing original about this. It's just like you can I could almost sit there and just the setups for everything. I just you know before they've even opened their mouth, you know what's going to happen. The jokes all seem you know recycled from about. 1983 um there's i i couldn't watch a second episode purely because i couldn't see why why i would bother it's just uh, it's just dull um i just like why why are you making a show like this in 2015 um i just i talk about who is this show made for um, I mean, yeah, sure, they're short episodes. I mean, the, the I don't know. Uh, oh, it, it, I, I'm, I'm speechless as to how anyone would think this was a good TV show to make. Mm, I mean, the premise is, is, as we've already said, totally unoriginal. Um, the jokes, the characterizations. I mean, I suppose the, the, the basic... Uh, joke is meant to be the juxtaposition between this uh you know bad boy uh who's who's been sort of a minor crim dodgy guy you know being meant to being a man of god i mean that's just it's it's so old and it's so um, i suppose the only thing they've updated it is you know the fact that the actual pastor was gay um but that just leads to some really sort of awkward jokes of him saying he likes cock um again i just like why (laughs) it's like Mm. (laughs) you know the first episode we have a woman of the town coming to him uh, because she's concerned about her son who she found fucking a cantaloupe i mean really Mm -hmm. like that this is that's a joke from american Mm -hmm. pie from 30 years ago Mm -hmm. um Obviously, American Pie was not a cantaloupe. <laughs> well, I think you're was, missing the, the was, humor here, it Jules, was a, obviously. Okay, so the pie is now just one piece of fruit, so they've actually simplified a simple joke even okay. further. Jules, uh, let me break down comedy for you. In the rules of comedy, <laughs> cantaloupe is always funnier than pie. Okay. Hands down, across the board. I can't tell you why, it's just scientifically, cantaloupe is funnier than pie. Okay, uh, that must be a cultural thing. We don't laugh at cantaloupe in Australia. Um, Honeydew melon, that's another point. Hilarious, but not cantaloupe. No, no. cantaloupe is funnier than honeydew as well. Okay. Um, but yeah. Although honeydew melon is funnier than honeydew. So, I mean. <laughs> so, um, did you get some laughs out of it, Ryan? Yes, I like this show very much, actually. <laughs> oh, I found God. it cute and, and sprightly. Um, sprightly, I, I, sprightly, yeah. sprightly, like you know, an a, an elderly guy going to watch vaudeville in the Catskills. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Um, I think it's cute. I think it's funny. I, I laughed out loud a couple times. I thought um, the characters were really um, cute. Um, I don't think it's groundbreaking. Like you're saying, there's a lot of stuff rehashed, recycled. Uh, I find everybody very quite charming. Um, What's the, the Mike um, Sledgehammer guy? Do you remember? Mm. I don't know if you know that show from the 80s. No. Um, the, the guy who plays sort of the, the main old guy that's yeah. down, uh, David Rashi is his name. Uh, he was in an 80s TV show called Sledgehammer. That okay, was I missed that one. Satirical farce kind of thing. Uh, anyways, that's where I recognize that dude from. Um, but you know what? I was actually. Um, Pleasantly surprised. The, the the cops, I think, are, are kind of funny. These two detectives that are looking. For I, I will say the um, only the only bright point was so one of these uh, so uh, back where Buddy came from. There's a, the mystery around has did he actually kill himself? Blah blah. And there's two cops involved. One of them just says the most impro- inappropriate things a cop should ever say. Uh, right. And that that there's a glimmer there of like okay, I would watch if you were doing like a a a sitcom that was like a, a take on Law and Order, where all the mm-hmm. all the cops said the things that they're thinking and 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 they're inappropriate, and that could be funny. But like that was about the only thing, and I'm sure after half a dozen episodes, that's going to wear off. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
So I'm glad you enjoyed it, Ryan. It's good to have laughter in your life. Yeah, I think it's cute, and I think um, I I would I would recommend it to somebody to check out. If you know if it comes onto Netflix within the next year and your Sunday afternoon, you're bored, put it on. I think it's I think it's cute. I think it's funny. I think there's a few laughs. I think people are charming. I think Michael Rosenbaum's that his name? Yeah. Um, I think he's really talented, and yeah. I, I, I like him. I can definitely see him doing more things. But to me, this is the kind of show that is made by a small group of people that are having a lot of fun. And I, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like um, like just a, a, a passion kind of project than groundbreaking television. And I guess maybe there's something to be taken from that or not. I don't know. But yeah, I don't um, know. I reckon you can you could throw throw a pin at YouTube and find a dozen web series that are passion projects that are, you know, a million times better than this. I just it's like what I just, you know, as I said, I don't hate it. It's just so why. <laughs> um, but, so vanilla. Well. As I said, it's it's not even. I don't mind shows, you know, harking back to past tropes, you know, reusing tropes or old jokes or whatever. But you've got to do something that's. It it just feels so not two thousand and fifteen. Like it just. There are so many times when I kept keep thinking, and I don't know, maybe that's a cultural thing. Maybe there are parts of the US that are like this, but there was no, it just felt like so out of a time capsule from the early 80s of what would have been, you know, sort of funny then. Um, I, I don't know. Not my show yeah. by, by a long time. Some of us find that stuff still funny, yeah? Oh, you're a man of simple tastes, Ryan. I know that. Um, yeah. But I do recommend, if you like Michael Rosenbaum, go and have a look. He's done some smaller short films and stuff over the last couple of years that are really, really mm -hmm. funny. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will hook you up with those. And I've always, mm -hmm. you know, uh, he was... So he played um, Lex Luthor in Smallville, for, mm. obviously, for okay. a, a decade or so. And then, yeah, haven't really seen a lot of him since. I think he's done a few pilots and that that haven't taken off, but... Glad to see him on on the, on the screen, um, oh, that's cool. and that's the best thing I can say about it. Uh, speaking of seeing people on the screen, what about Unreal uh, with Ty Olson coming in? Yes, that was uh, on playing on the dastardly harking back to uh, the TV show Unreal. Uh, yes, uh, that was that was a, a nice little delight, and I thought he did a wonderful, if disturbing, job of playing uh, an abusive ex-husband. Mm. Ty Olson, of course, that is the voice in the movie The Weirdo Hero. He does an animated character voice, uh, The Weirdo Hero, which is premiering as a special screening August 31st in Vancouver. So if you're a listener to this podcast, please come out to the Rio Theatre and come and see uh, the short film that I directed, and uh, I think you'll have a good time. You should... Maybe. Um, and people can buy tickets online. Just go to the Rio Theatre website. So uh, just Google Rio Theatre and you will be able to buy tickets to the Weirdo Hero World Premiere. Now, Jules, are you going to be there? I will be there. I will be oh, there. Fantastic. I will be there and um, and cheering and possibly having a drink or two. Oh, yeah, there will be drinks to be had, for sure. <laughs> for uh, sure. And... Uh, Having seen a rough cut, a wonderful, wonderful movie. So, oh, thanks, Joel. Thanks so much for saying that. Recommend uh, people come along. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a week or so with more, more wonderful television. Once we work out what we're going to watch, we may be oh, maybe, um, ma podcasting together. Yes. So the next time we podcast, maybe live together in uh, Vancouver, which is always amazing because then we can both have beer at the same time. We can get really sloppy drunk and be like, ah, 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 uh, as opposed to just me by myself doing that. Uh, well, yes, exactly. Um, so hang on for that. Uh, tweet us if you've got any shows you think we should be catching up on. Um, of course, all the all the fall shows are about to premiere over the next couple of months, so we will be busy. But uh, yeah, if you've discovered something, uh, we should uh, watch on Netflix or or uh, some obscure network like TV Land, uh, hit us up and let us know. Because mm -hmm. we are running out of stuff to watch, everybody. <laughs> and Ryan will, oh make, Ryan will make me watch more things like Impasta. <laughs> Which I think if you just gave it one more episode, you'd no, fall in love. No, no, no. 
No. Uh, that's your one pass, Jules. Are you sure you want to use it up now? You only get one pass <laughs> oh, <no>. per season. <laughs> Hang on. I think if we go back over who's not watched more than one episode of a show, I think I've got a few in the bank. I don't know. I don't think so. Well, I'm not watching more than one episode of Impasta, so screw you. <laughs> well, you're missing out. You're missing out on the big lesbian scene. So. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, right. What TV Guide called the hottest moment of <laughs> for 2015. No, they didn't. You're a liar. Okay. You're a liar. All right, Jules. Hey, I can't wait to see you. Come to Vancouver. We'll have fun. Uh, I will. See you there. See everyone else on the Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag. <laughs>